Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I love cozy couch time with Tim. We're having technical issues with the computer. It has gone into this uh, uh, blue screen of not exactly death, but yeah. it's... It's got a QR code on it. It's... That, I think, worries me more than anything else that's going on. Well, and basically... I the emoji <laughs> at the top. Well, it's Windows 10. So oh. Windows 10 is a thing that is of issue, mm. uh, I have heard tell. So it claims that it's going to restart for me, but it hasn't done that yet. So that concerned me just a little bit. But anyway, mm-hmm. I did have to replace uh, uh, my Mac. Oh, I, have really? a new, I have a new iMac. Oh. It's 27-inch. Congratulations. It's gigantic. <laughs> it's the screen is huge. Um, all the better to edit on. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my 10-year-old computer, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Your computer's older than all my children. <laughs> Ha ha. It's funny. The last time I took that computer down to the Apple store, Mm -hmm. the poor little guy behind the counter was like traumatized. He didn't know what to do. (laughs) It's like, what's happening? Did you find this in a cave? (laughs) (laughs) Were people even alive back then? Exactly. (laughs) Right up there at the time that I told the little girl at the kiosk about. 10 years ago that I didn't have a cell phone mm. and I'd never had one before and she didn't know what to do with that either because it's the only world she's ever known. Mm. Uh, so speaking of going back in time, we are we are actually in between our Walking Dead yes. experiences. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead has finished mm-hmm. and we didn't quite hate the finale. Didn't quite hate it. Um, and then... The regular The Walking Dead comes back next week. Right. And Which I'm sure we all get to hate the premiere, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. So so what what do you think the odds are that we actually make it through the entire first episode before we I mean like if we if we see Negan kill someone at all, it'll be the last five minutes. Oh, I think that's very I mean, I honestly I would be completely shocked if it's the first thing we see. Yeah. I have a feeling that we're going to see a lot of Carol and Morgan mm-hmm. uh, to start off, and then we're going to go back to to that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna because uh, remember we left Carol and Morgan. It was daytime, right? But they went off with the people on the horses, and so I think that we're going to see the rest of their day. <laughs> Or at least Morgan's day, because I think Carol was pretty much out of it at right. that point. And then we'll go back and see whoever is killed. Um, Nerdist had a, a theory that more than one person was going to get it. Everybody but Carl. Everybody but Carl, <laughs> yes. So we'll so who, just... So, well, okay, they brought that up. Then, then who do they think is... Well, apparently... Jeffrey Dean Morgan did an interview where he said that he was going to kill more than one person mm-hmm. in the series, in the season finale, or season premiere. Mm-hmm. That more than one person was going to die. 
And so they started doing like analysis of the trailer that went out. And apparently there's a huge splash of blood on Rick's right 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 side of his side face, of his face. Yeah. and and apparently at some point negan i haven't watched this trailer i missed right it. i'm just going from what uh jessica chobot told me mm, okay um there is a point where negan says now that you've lost your right hand man and so they are postulating that it is someone on his right and on the right are maggie and abraham Okay. And since he specifically said right-hand man, mm-hmm. they're thinking that it's Abraham and not Maggie. But they still say there's a good chance that Glenn is also going to get it because if he's going to kill two people, those would probably be... And of something about how Abe, when when they pointed Lucille at Abe, like Abe doesn't flinch or back away or something, and mm-hmm. I can't remember enough about the season finale to remember what he did or didn't do. So they are saying that it's Abe and Glenn that are going to get it. I think it would be roundly poetic if it was Maggie and Glenn, but I can't, I can't foresee. Like, and this is what Jessica Chobot said too, that she didn't foresee them killing off a pregnant woman. That I don't know how I'd feel about that. I mean, on one hand, uh, as as so years ago, do you remember remember the film Nailbiter? Patrick Ray yes, did okay, I do. and and Kendall, our friend Kendall, was the writer on that. Mm-hmm. And I read Kendall's original script years ago, mm-hmm. and it was far, far, far more brutal than the actual finished product. Mm-hmm. Kendall went there. The ages of the of the girls in the story were much younger. And there is a moment where I'm reading the script going, but you're not supposed to kill the small female child. We're hardwired to protect the small female child. Right. That's just, well, there's genetic we imperative. about how that's one of the main reasons that, that whenever we see a little girl on The Walking Dead, we're like, oh, exactly, <laughs> right. terrible. Things are about to happen to this child. Right. Nailbiter, for those of you that don't know, should probably check it out. Uh, this was all done way before The Walking Dead. Yeah. So, so they were killing off little girls before. They're old, yeah. In in the in the final version, and it's actually out on. Oh goodness, I think it's a lot of different places you can find it. Oh yeah. Um, but the the girls in the film are older than they. They're certainly older than they were in the script. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at Kendall, and Kendall was. I'm good. I don't. I don't think Kendall was a father yet. Uh, so, but I remember when I I read the script and I went Kendall. This is this is horrible. Mm-hmm. Good job. Because <laughs> I mean, it, it made you uncomfortable, and I think that's we've kind of gotten used to the the Walking Dead killing off small female people. The, yeah. If you're below four feet tall and under the age of fifteen and are female, you're not going to make. You're it. not going to make it. So going all the way down to someone who hadn't actually been born yet. I mean, that would be mm-hmm. you know an extreme case. I don't know. It's just. Partially because I, I I like having Maggie around. Uh, it's a character I could. I'm. Well, I haven't heard her. Na- well, I think that the show has done a really, really good job because I haven't heard anyone's name circular circulated around. 
or anything else. Right. Like anything else. And you know that whoever, because it happened to Beth. She she is now on the new show with, what's her name? The Agent Carter girl. Oh, right, yeah. She's she's on that show. You know that whoever gets killed off of The Walking Dead next, they're, they're going to have offers thrown at them. Oh, sure. And so I haven't seen anyone's name associated with anything else. Now, uh, that being said... The actor who plays Get Glenn has been doing a lot of voiceover work mm, sure. recently. Um, uh, Norman Reedus did shoot an entire series where he rides around the country on a motorcycle. I wonder when he figured out the time to do that. <laughs> um, and the woman who plays Maggie is Australian. Yeah. So. Well, and and the unlikely event that they killed off Rick. I mean, no, oh, no. You know. He, no. he is British, and he could yeah. go, you know, he has Bugger a back off to, fairly decent yeah. career over there. Uh, although, I think his exposure because of this is larger mm-hmm. than anything else he did. I mean, he was in Love Actually. Yes. Um, Playing the, the biggest worst thing. stalker ever. <laughs> the saddest, most pathetic stalker. It's so sweet, and yet so terrifying. It's awful. I know. So, should we talk about terrifying? Oh, yeah, so... So, because we don't have any Walking Dead stuff to watch... Not that we couldn't spend another 30, 40 minutes talking about things we don't even know that may or may not be happening. Right. Um, We're not going to. We decided that we wanted to, if nothing else, uh, check out this new Creepypasta show over on Sci-Fi. Channel Zero. And for those of you who are only familiar with the current generation of Sci-Fi television shows, you somehow managed to miss the last... 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sci-Fi Channel is actually doing some really good stuff right now. They've got... Interesting work. Uh, Winona Earp. Fantastic show. I never watched that. Oh, great show. Loved it. Lost uh, Girl. I liked that. Uh, and then and then some other... Uh, uh, Dark Matter and some of these other shows that have been very much... The sci- you know, they're actually getting back in the business doing science fiction stuff. They still have the terrible movies that mm-hmm. show up. They are still responsible for Sharknado. Yes. Um, so they still have many crosses and sins. But... Um, they announced they were going to do this creepypasta show. For those of you who have somehow managed to miss the creepypasta phenomenon, uh, basically this is people writing yeah. short... Scary stories for the internet. Yeah. And... They're usually done first person. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times... The, and the conceit is that if, you're, if you read creepypasta, that you're not supposed to look at it as fiction. You're supposed to... You are supposed to read it as... Penthouse forum letters. I didn't know this was. I didn't think these were true right. until this happened to me. Right. And a lot of stuff has come out of this. Uh, the Slenderman. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the spinoff of that. Jeff the Killer. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. Um, go to TV Tropes and look up Creepypasta and find all the yes rabbit or, holes you can fall down. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I I just spend hours reading Creepypasta stories. They are, some of them are very, very good. And some of them are very, very bad. They have a whole little subsection of and one terrible of the, but, but one of the best right. is called Candle Cove, which I suggest anyone go out and check out. Uh, it's, it's a story about a, uh, somebody writing about a TV show that they remember watching when they were a kid. Mm-hmm. 
and they are, you know, they talk about the first post, and it's done, it's done in blog posts. It's so awesome. This Candle Cove is probably one of the best creepypastas ever. Uh, it's done in blog posts. So the first blog post is, hey, does anybody remember Candle Cove, this show that I used to watch? And he kind of describes it, and it's about these puppets. It's a show about on a pirate ship about puppets, and one of them is a skeleton, and one of them is like a really bad doll, and, and you know, all these different puppets. And, and so then there are comments. The comment section continues the story. Mm-hmm. And some people are like, oh, I remember that show. It was so creepy. It scared me, and blah, blah, blah. Or, oh, you know, and then, like, there's one comment, my favorite my favorite comment, this mm-hmm. is the one that made me say, this is a story that I have to read, is, um, is, is the, the comment is, I used to have such terrible nightmares of that show. I remember there was one episode where it was just all of the characters screaming. And then there's a reply to that that says, no, that was an episode. And then the re- original responder goes, no, that couldn't have been an episode of the show. And I, at that point, I was like, this story is amazing. <laughs> so anyway, it goes on, and, and it turns out that um, the very end, there's another blog post after that where the original writer, quote-unquote, goes back and says that he was talking to his mother about it and talking about Candle Cove, and she said, oh, that was so... F- you and your brother used to have so much fun with that. And he says, how could you let us watch this horrible show? And she says, watch... You just would sit in front of the static-filled television for an hour every day. So there, so there was no Candle Cove, or the adults couldn't see it, or something. And it's just chilling. It's just such a good story. And it actually continues on and expands upon that world, but that's as the bones mm-hmm. of it. This is one of the neat things about Creepypasta, is that the really, really good ones can evoke this really chilling mood mm-hmm. and grab you in a way that, especially in the short, the really good horror short fiction mm-hmm. is something that, you know, you, you've got r- Stephen King and Clive Barker and some of the big names, mm-hmm. you know, who were just completely shaped the way that horror has been done. Um, the internet, of course, made getting your story out, whatever story it is you're telling out, incredibly easy. Right. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of bad stuff out there as well, and by bad I just mean not good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's also given the, the chance, especially things like this, uh, something, is it something awful? Is it something awful for them? Is that where all, most like of this that, stuff st- yeah. started? Uh, this is given an avenue for people to actually have this stuff get out in the world and to play in this almost shared universe of an Mm -hmm. idea of goes, Hey guys, I'm going to tell you a creepy story and I'm going to try and scare you. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It's worked really, really well for in, for some of these characters. Some of these characters have become iconic characters like Slenderman and, and well, Slenderman really had this explosion, of course, uh, but five pages or six pages video game. Yeah. Well that, and, and of course the, the, unfortunately the, the girls who, Tried to kill their friend because of the Slenderman yeah, myth, and oh yeah, they were they were, they were, the trials. I think the trial's actually coming up, or it's finished. But anyway, it's you know the impact of this stuff is actually fairly large. Characters often became very well known. Individual stories didn't have quite the same reach in the public consciousness. Mm-hmm. The neat part about that is that you can take something like this and. 
put it onto what the Sci-Fi Channel new show is, is going to do, which is Channel Zero. Basically, the idea is that this season and the next season are going to be different stories based on these creepypasta stories. Right. And so the basic premise here is that there was this TV show, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it doesn't start well, off the no, great... Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's recap this show. <laughs> because, okay, we watched this show separately. Yeah. And I honestly, I have to tell you, I was not... You can find my tweets. They're off on the, at the Night Dusto. I was not expecting for this show to affect me the way that it did. Mm-hmm. Because the kids had gone off on sleepovers, and so it was Friday night, and I had recorded it, and so I'm like, "Oh, we'll just watch it now." And and so I started it, and and it's about this guy named Mike, and Mike is a child psychologist and psychiatrist, one of those, whichever one is the one that you talk to, not the one that gives you pills. I always get them confused. Um, well, a psychiatrist is the one you can talk to who can give you pills. So psychologist. So a psychologist is one who can talk to but can't give you pills. I, I, I'm I pretty sure that he's just a talker. I don't think he's a pill giver. Okay. Anyway, so he's being interviewed on this, like, like McNair News Hour sort of situation. Yeah. And, uh, and they pull out a phone, and it turns out it starts to realize that it's a dream, and it's just, the like, all the people in the studio turn into mannequins, and it was like... This show is going to be something I was not expecting. Yeah, because so. <laughs> I mean, the the opening is this, you know, this idea that you know he's talking about his practice and the book that he's just mm-hmm. written and all these things, and you know, we want you to talk to this. We've got a person on the phone who wants to talk to you, and he's like, "Well, that that's not really what I do." That's, you know, I'd kind of like to actually meet the person and have time to develop a rapport. And he's like, mm-hmm. "No, no, here," and hands him the phone. Right, <laughs> and he's like, "Hello," and. There's silence. Because, oh, more importantly, he talks about the fact that he had an experience as a child. He had a twin Mm -hmm. who died, who disappeared. Right. And a bunch of children. several other children disappeared at the same time. And so that this is one of the things that impacted his life. And so when the phone, when he picks up the phone, he starts hearing a voice that sounds remarkably like his Mm. twin. And it's very, very creepy and very disturbing. And he does look out into the, the camera crew. There's no audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a camera crew, and they're very creepy. It's that, yeah. it's, there's something about dolls. Right. Well, at first, the first time he looks out, they're people. Yeah. And the second time he looks out, they're dolls. And, or they're mannequins. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the voice on the phone says, you know, why don't you come back to Candle Cove? And uh, and the next scene is him driving. Well, over the course of the episode, you realize some things about Mike. Yes. Um, Mike is coming back to his hometown on the, not just like literally out of the hospital after having a mental breakdown. Right. And his his wife and daughter, he has, he ha- uh, have kicked him out of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he, he was self-mutilating he was in, a self-mutilating pre- in a very graphic way. Um, and those, these are all things we learn in flashes because not only is Mike the main character, we are in a very literal sense inside of his head. We see flashes of his thoughts. Mm-hmm. We see what, see what he's thinking in a way that I don't think I've seen happen on other shows before. It's a very disorienting kind of thing because... 
you're in the middle of someone talking and you'll get a flash. It's almost like the idea behind subliminal mm-hmm. advertising, which of course is not really, doesn't really work. Um, but what they do here is they hold it and we're talking maybe a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, maybe not even that long. Um, you, yeah. The first time we see Mike cutting himself is just like a flash on the screen of him using something to to cut into his arm, and you hear a woman screaming in the background. And you know, other the other flashes that we see in the show are just, and then we get actual flashbacks to his to his childhood. And to the things that he, the 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 things that happened before all these murders started happening when he was a child, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it's perfect. It's wonderful for this kind of show because it really plays on the idea of uh, the unreliable narrator. Oh yeah, because while Mike is our character that brings us into the show. We cannot trust anything he is saying or anything that we are seeing. But on the other hand, because he's the one that brought us into our show, we have no choice but to trust right. him. That he's he's that the things that are happening are really what are happening, or that he is the things he you know. Because I got that a couple of times from interactions that were like, "Are we really seeing what's really happening or not?" Well, and what's very curious, of course, is that nobody wants him to be back in this town. Mm-hmm. No one expects him to be there. I don't, know that, I don't want to say that nobody wants him there. They certainly don't expect him to well, be there. Well, yeah, when he shows back up, the town sheriff, who was a friend of his when he was a child, is like, what are you doing here? When he shows up, his mother says, yeah. what are you doing here? Uh, the And what's interesting to me is that we, there's clearly more to the reason why he left Mm -hmm. than we have seen at all. I mean, because it's it's just the first episode, but there's, you know, everything that, everything that we know is going to happen just from what we've heard that there's, he's going to, his twin is going to disappear, that the, Mm -hmm. these other children are part of of this mystery of, of something horrible happening in this town, but none of that seems to really give us a reason why they're all reacting to him with shock Mm -hmm. that he's back home. And so there's obviously more to that story, clearly. But it's his interactions with everyone else almost has this odd waking dream quality right. to it. Where he, the way he talks to people and reacts to what they say, it's like his, he's not even in the same operating space that they are it's very and it becomes very disorienting and makes you really question who he is and what he is yeah and it doesn't help the people around him trust him either Mm -hmm. because now that he's back home telling them a lie about looking for doing research on a book Mm -hmm. there's a the the daughter of I guess the girl he used to love mm-hmm. used to love him. Well, I mean, and we have to remember, like the thing. I don't think you can even go that far because he left town when he was like twelve. So these are not. This is not a. You know, this was just a friend. Well, I'm not sure he left that young. Well, because he says in the interview that his brother disappeared, and then they found the other kids, and they never found his brother, and his mother couldn't handle it, and so she sent him to live with an aunt. 
And so that led me to believe that it was pretty immediate. Like, it happened See, all I, I, within... I, I, yeah, but at the same time, just the reaction that everyone gives to seeing him again. Mm-hmm. And the way his mother reacts as if, you know, I want you here, but I don't understand why you're here. Mm-hmm. Just seems really, it, it doesn't seem like it could be something that would really happen with a child. And a 12-year-old is going to be a child. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, there's so many things that you, you're watching this and you're thinking, hang on. Right. This doesn't actually make sense. No, and I think that's what, that's part of the reason, part of the thing that was so creepy about the show aside from you know when the children when the little girl disappears and there's a child in peril and it's you know mm-hmm. you know this is a show about children in peril that that is something that like you said it, it speaks to the primal you know childhood like you want to protect the children in your life and right the idea of a child being in danger or peril even in media clicks something over in your brain mm-hmm uh, especially if you have children. So anyway, um, but you're right. The people, the reactions are very. I started. I I started tweeting like, like I'm I'm thinking like, I can't remember what the brother's name is. Eddie, I think Eddie was the brother or something. It's like I think Mike is Eddie and Eddie is Mike. <laughs> like, well, there's is, there's you know a couple of things occurred to me, and one is that there was no brother. Mm-hmm. And that he just convinced himself there was, that he had this, you know. It's so hard to tell where they're going to go with this because there's the basic premise of the the puppet show, TV show that only the children can see. They basically give that to us here in the first mm-hmm. episode. They basically say, here's the deal. It's the thing. Only the children can see it. Um because the little girl at the dinner, he might go to a dinner party with his, all of his old friends. And the little girl in the dinner at the dinner party, the kids are all off watching TV, and she's watching Candle Cove. Mm-hmm. And when he comes in, she turns off the TV. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how he kind of... But he recognizes it. He recognizes it before the TV goes off. And that's what starts the conversation among the adults about remembering Candle Cove from their childhoods, and they say the line that I, that I said right, earlier yeah. that I specifically remembered from the original Creepypasta, the woman who is the mother and Mike's old flame, or maybe not, who knows how old he was when he left, uh, she says, I had this nightmare, I used to have this nightmare that they were just screaming, and then somebody across the table says, no, that was an episode, and the look on her face mm-hmm. was just like, no, that could not have been. That could not have been, which makes me think that, you know, that just flashed in my brain that she experienced this in her bedroom, like, without a TV around. And uh, so, yeah. you know, the fact that someone else remembers it as an episode of the show... What's... That's also the moment where, up until this point, it's just been an odd show. Mm-hmm. And, and we're looking at our main character having just kind of a weird, he's having weird things happen to him, right. weird experiences. And we're not, you know, but up at that moment is when everything really clicks over into him being odd. I mean, just, I mean, yeah. almost, almost scary in his own right, because he is, 
his reactions to them, the way he starts interacting with people, because he's like, I have to go. Yeah. And he like, just leaves. He brings it up. He brings yeah. up the show, and then everybody's sitting around talking about it, and then he's like, we're going to keep talking about this. I'm going to leave. And that's, like, somebody even at the table's like... Yeah, but you brought it up. You brought it up. And then, of course, he leaves, and the little girl disappears. And yeah. And he's looking for her, like, he's trying to help look, and the mother confronts him, and is like... Where were you? Where Where did you go? Like, your mother said you didn't get home till like, 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, I just walked around. You know. Yeah, he doesn't really have an alibi. Now, the girl turns out okay. They find mm-hmm. her. We then get to see there's something out there in the woods. What the actual fuck was that? Too? That was a creature made of teeth. What was that? That was a creature... Made I out of do not even teeth. Not, not, not a creature with a lot of teeth, but a creature who is made out of teeth. I just can't even... It's a very disturbing image. It was so... And it just like... Because he finds the little girl, and, and another very disturbing moment of the show mm-hmm. is the little boy... There's a brother and a sister. The sister's one who disappears. The brother is there. And... Mike, like, the mother accuses him of, like, did you take my daughter? Right. And he runs away, goes back to the house, mm-hmm. and the little boy says, she told me that you would come to look for her. And he goes, where is she? And he says, uh, she's out, she's at the the radio tower or something, mm-hmm. right? The crow's nest? or Something like that, yeah. And, of course, that's a place that he only knows about. He and his brother used to go out there and play. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that... But the way he interacts with the little boy was very creepy to me. Because, again, this goes back to the unre- the, the feeling of having an unreliable narrator. Because like, he asked, do you love your sister? Do you want to see her again? Mm-hmm. And I just... Something about that whole interaction just was like... The exchanges between people on this show get progressively weirder as mm-hmm. the as the first episode goes on. What's really interesting to me is that there is a disjointedness to the narrative that does not come across like poor editing. It's a very conscious decision. Mm, yes. It puts the audience off balance in a way which is really, really well done. Um, I started... Watching, there's a there's a new hey there's a post apocalyptic show called Aftermath on, ah. um, and it seems to me to suffer from an editor who doesn't know how to chop out scenes without making something mm-hmm. bridge better because there's moments where you're going there's a scene missing because there's a hole in the story right there and, right. and it happens a lot. Uh, it's it's a very odd show. Mm-hmm. I haven't decided if it's good. Um, I haven't decided if it's bad either. But anyway, it's it's disorienting because you can feel like the narrative has been broken. This is a deliberate thing. This is a thing that is meant to make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it does. And it does. It's very, very interesting. Now, I'm not sure how you sustain this over well, a season. Well, it's only six episodes. Yeah, but still. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward and to it because... And with an anthology series like this... You're not, it's very possible, like, with an anthology series, they could kill off every single oh, sure. character on the show, and it won't matter, because we don't need any of them for season two. Right. And so, they can tell their six 
episode story about Candle Cove and then move on to something completely different. And it doesn't matter. Well, but so, I think I think what's going to have to be important here is if when you've got this kind of disoriented state that they are trying to put mm-hmm. the audience into, that your main character has and that they want the audience to share with him, you've got to have a payoff that really works to make people want to have a second season. Mm-hmm. And the Sci-Fi Channel has gotten a pretty good reputation of killing off things that don't have a big a quick yeah. return. Now they've they've let some of their other new programming stick around. I guess they renewed Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. I think they do. I think they're notorious for chopping things off the leg at season five too. Well, yeah, they're not. Well, and this is this is the new sci-fi people. This mm-hmm. is the folks who are trying to get it all back in in line again. So who knows? But it's just really, really interesting. I'm. I was a little bit skeptical because a lot of creepypasta stuff is fairly short. Mm-hmm. And part of the fun of of some a lot of those creepypasta written things online is that you you know you're reading and you see a link mm-hmm. and like there's a hyperlink in the text, and you know that's going to lead you to something new, mm-hmm. and it's going to lead you know it's going to tell you more of the story or whatever. So. I wonder how something like this is going to keep that going. You know, one of the fun things about American Horror Story is that each episode, each season is connected right in a way in a, in a, in, a, in in some way. And so I'm wondering if they're going to do a similar thing here or not. Who well, knows? I th- I think you could you could introduce a character just in passing mm-hmm. here and have them be the focal point of the next season or mm-hmm. just, you know, or, or you drive past a town and that's the town. The next episode mm-hmm. takes place in, or, or whatever. You know I mean? There's, there's a lot of different things they could do. It's, I really want to know what the teeth thing is. Well, we're going to, we're going to see all that stuff happen. I'm yeah. Sure. Oh, but then, then he, at the very end, Mike has a series of flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which includes, um, him dragging a uh, him young young Mike dragging a body somewhere, yeah, and watching a kid jump off the la- the ledge of the quarry where he finds a little girl, and and uh, then an image, a super fast image. I don't even know if it of the brother, his brother, mm-hmm. with something sticking out of his chest and he's bleeding. Yeah, so you know, I, there's a lot of stuff about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> But as far as as far as setting the tone and giving you a sense of that this is something that is going to be genuine, genuinely unnerving, then um, if not, I mean, it, how much it's going to scare you depends on on where where your terror button is. You know what what actually you know, are you scared, mm-hmm. and whether or not it, this is something that's going to scare you, it's probably going to unnerve you, and it's definitely going to put you off balance, which I think is. Is actually really good in a horror series. You mm-hmm. know, horror television series, they're just, honestly, there aren't that many. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shows that have horror elements. Right. But the idea of actually having something that is straight up horror and puts that, and be, the best horror, the ground is shifting underneath you. There's right. no. And I, I will tell you, this first episode of this show did that for me. I was, I was shocked at how good. 
You weren't sitting here watching it in the dark. You had the lights no, on. No, I okay. was. And I, and I had. I had. You know how you sometimes watch TV where you're not really yeah. paying that much attention to what's happening, like really, and mm -hmm. like I don't remember. I think I was in the middle of the laundry or something, and and so like it was the dinner party scene mm, okay. that made me go. Wait a minute. Wait a second. <laughs> what's happening? And then it was just like I was just. It was, it was there. It was in. So, and it's a cast you don't really recognize anybody, no, yeah, and they're all character actors. Yeah, and which is which I think is helpful mm -hmm. because on a show like this, where they're trying to keep you off balance and they're trying to make mm -hmm. you to get under your skin, having faces that are not familiar works really well. I think that, that was always my problem with American Horror Story mm -hmm. was that I know these people from other things, right? Connie Britton. Honey, Britain. That's that. Well, that's whatever. the whole point. Well, I know, but I mean, it's where you you go. It's Angela Bassett, and she's gonna Angela Bassett her way through <laughs> this episode. You know. So I mean, there's some fun to it too, but there's in terms of in terms of getting that that sense of of really being afraid. It's easier to do with people you don't recognize, right? Because you know, as much as I hate the Blair Witch Project. Uh, the fact that they had people who you did not recognize. They were mm -hmm. amateur actors. It were it was very effective. You could sell that the, the daft lie that, oh, they all died terribly in the woods. No, really, they did. We I mean promise. it. No fingers crossed here, you guys. Best, although, best had it been true. Although Sorry. the guy playing Mike <laughs> was on the first season of Parks and Recreation. Oh, was he really? Yeah. Hmm. Back when it really wanted to be just the office and government. yeah. yeah. He he was on that show. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So he was going to be the Jim Halpert. Oh, okay. But it, no such luck. It didn't work out. No. So so anyway, um, interesting stuff. I'm yeah. I'm in, I'm impressed. This is this is a there's the Sci-Fi Channel for all the fact that they bungled their whole premise for a decade or so. Mm -hmm. uh, the last few years they've been coming back pretty strong. So this is this is an interesting thing and and. You know, good horror is hard to find, especially on television. Absolutely. And actually, good horror is hard to find in the movie theaters, too. I'm impressed. I'm enjoying it. I am I'm, can't wait to see more. Me either. Unfortunately, next week, or fortunately. Yeah, well, fortunately or fortunately. We're, we're back mean, with we're, I've been watching over your shoulder this whole this story so far thing. And yeah. Like, I'm, I might turn this on after we're done with this and see. we'll see what's, what's happening. <laughs> so we hope you'll join us again as we get back into the wonderful adventures of Rick and Company. Yeah. Um, minus at least one. Right. As we come up here with the, with the new season and the clearly changing dynamic of the show. Hopefully we will have a much better time with this than we did with Fear of the Walking Dead. I think we will. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Anyway. Thank you for listening, folks. Uh, we will be back next week. You can find us, obviously, you're listening to this on one of the various places you can find podcasts, probably iTunes, probably podcast.com. If you do are finding us there, we would appreciate it greatly if you were to rate us, uh, leave a comment, give, let us know what you think, because that helps us uh, know, get feedback from you directly through, right. through those services, but it also helps other people find the show. Uh, mm -hmm. through those services and sci-fi for me radio you can find a bunch of different podcasts that we do uh dustin recently joined the rogues gallery podcast yeah for which where you talk about dc things true comics and television uh, com i missed uh, the last couple of them 
I was I, I did not do the last one because I had I've only seen one episode of all the shows this week. I only watched. Super I got to catch Girl. up. I only yeah. watched Supergirl. So that was it, Supergirl, and I got to catch up on the other ones. H two O and Grimly Speaking in its final season. My aides talks about the mm. Grim and so many other great stuff that we do here. So we uh, hope you'll join us again next week and listen to our other podcasts. And thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. We'll see you next week, folks. This has been a presentation of HorrorForMe.com. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. (laughs) 